welcome back to another episode of the Cardboard Herald, my chance to talk with creative gamers and game creators. And joining me today is Gloomhaven, Frosthaven designer, Isaac Childress. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, we are living in exciting times. This is amidst the <laughs> COVID outbreak right now. How's social distancing going for you? Yeah, honestly, it's very little has changed for me uh, personally. You know, I just work from home anyway. Uh, my wife is, is home more now, uh, so that's nice. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, business as usual. <laughs> How big is the Cephala Fair team? We just hired our third employee, so it's me and, and two other guys now. Everyone working from home? Yeah, yeah, we all work from home. So uh, one lives out in California, the other up in Michigan, and I'm in Indiana. So, So yeah, we don't have an office or anything. We all just work from home. Okay. Okay. Well, one of the interesting things about the Frosthaven Kickstarter, which hasn't launched yet as of the recording of this, is that you announced that there was going to be a one-week delay till March 31st for this. And that totally makes sense, though it's kind of an abstract announcement saying that, you know, the COVID outbreak is going on, you want to accommodate as many backers as possible, and you needed to adjust to things. What does a one-week delay actually let you accomplish? Like, what's the, the practical reasoning for a week versus a month or versus not delaying at all? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I had, like, I had two main reasons. One was just kind of more personal like i was just feeling a little apprehensive about the whole thing you know like mm -hmm. um sort of the week leading up or i guess well when was that basically like starting like two weeks ago there you know just a lot of changes um with how people were operating and you know how the government was operating and how <laughs> yeah. everything was operating um and yeah it just it felt like just kind of like a, a turbulent like chaotic experience of 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 that week of just like okay now we're all just gonna stay in our houses and we really shouldn't go outside uh at all to do anything um you know to limit the spread of the of the disease um and so i just kind of wanted to just like settle into that new reality a little bit more um before like i don't know just like personally like launching this other like big chaotic thing that was gonna um, have all these other implications. Uh, and then secondly, like we just needed more time, um, you know, with, um, a lot of people working on the projects, um, now like having their kids, um, you ha you know, stay at home all day. Like, you know, there's just less time to, to do things, uh, necessarily. Um, and so I, I don't have any kids personally, but a lot of other people on the project, um, were sort of experiencing that type of thing. And so, uh, yeah, and I like also, you know, so like we, we could have launched this last week, um, but I just felt like I was causing unnecessary stress on a lot of people to like get it done by that time, right. especially with all the other stress. So we decided, to, you know, just like, let's push it back a week. Um, we don't need more stress at this point in our in our lives. <laughs> Are you still nervous at all? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's still a lot to do in the next three days. Uh, and then, like, <laughs> who knows what's going to happen when it actually launches, um, you know, with this new reality that we live in. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good kind of nervous. Like, I, I think it'll, I think it'll be, 
exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think it's going to be a pretty monumental Kickstarter because, of course, Gloomhaven is this critical darling. It's this monumental success. There's going to be tons of people who are going to want to get Frosthaven just based off the pedigree alone, regardless of what you're throwing in it. But it also looks like you're throwing in a ton of stuff. Did you... When you were originally working on Gloomhaven, did you feel like there was a possibility of it becoming this phenomenon? Or did you just think this Uber box was going to be some niche thing that a few people might be interested in? It's it's hard to say. You know, it's like, yeah, I, I kind of expected that it would be, I, I don't know, like bigger than my last game. Like my, or, you know, the first game that I made, Forge War. Like, you know, I, I kind of recognize that like the the gameplay of this like was going to reach a larger audience. Cause it was like more of like a, a dungeon crawl type thing. Uh, and that like, I had a lot of fun playing it. So I, you know, yeah, I had, I had hopes that, you know, it would, it would find success. I mean, you can't really predict like the amount of success it's actually. Right. Had. Right. So, I mean, it, it certainly went above any of my wildest expectations. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was, I was hoping I was hoping for, you know, a good amount of success. Yeah. Well, I mean, probably the most remarkable thing about it to me is that when you talk about accessibility of games and you talk about games that are, are good for non-gamers or, you know, converting video gamers over to tabletop games, you typically talk about, you know, slowly getting them ready via lighter games. And somehow this monstrous box broke through into the mainstream. I mean, you, you see it recommended on all kinds of video game websites and all kinds of, um, well, tabletop gaming websites that would otherwise be recommending lighter games. I mean, it's just had this really remarkable breakthrough. And I imagine that there's some pretty big pressure between Frosthaven and Jaws of the Lion to kind of follow up and add to that. Like it, when you were embarking on these projects, how did you want to, I guess, make your your sophomore Gloomhaven feel fresh and new, but live up to that expectation? Yeah, I, yeah, it is, it is kind of crazy. Like I said, like just how, like how wide of an audience like Gloomhaven has found like that, that to me has been unexpected, mm -hmm. you know, just with, yeah, just with how like crazy and ridiculous it is, like, and like it's a very large barrier of entry to get into it, um, with all the the setup and the organization and just like all the different components and you know the fifty page rule book, it's it's a massive thing, and so so yeah, that has been surprising, um, and so yeah, I mean that and that's kind of why we um, decided to launch Jaws of the Lion, um, was. Like we've we've seen so much success, given this huge barrier of entry. Like, you know, that it was kind of like, what if we took that and you know lowered the barrier of entry as much as possible? Um, you know, would that you know see even more success, or you know, just a success with a different audience that couldn't that you know wasn't necessarily going to get into Gloomhaven, or you know, because they're newer gamers, you know, maybe they shouldn't get into Gloomhaven. Um, you know, because because of all like the rules overhead and everything, so that was kind of the philosophy behind Jaws of the Lion was to was to yeah like take a step back and and make like a a normal game, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and just see see 
see how that how that went. Um, and then at the same time, I also wanted to, you know, continue, uh, you know, the big epic experience of, of Gloomhaven and give, you know, everyone who who loves Gloomhaven something else to 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 play with as well. Um, and so, yeah, that's why we're doing Frosthaven, which is, yeah, just more of like just, uh, you know, the, the sequel in, in terms of just like it's it's going to be this huge thing with lots of components and lots of rules. And for, for those people who, who love that sort of thing. Uh, and then, of course, we're also adding a bunch of new stuff as well, like the town building and the extra resources um, and, you know, new classes and new monsters and all that sort of good stuff. And that stuff sounds so exciting. I mean, personally, the the thematic changes, I'm Alaskan, so I'm all about, you know, tall <laughs> pine trees and snow drifts and all that kind of stuff. The barbaric north, way into it. I, I'm <laughs> so looking forward to that. But Jaws of the Lion is really interesting because even for someone like me who, you know, I, I've played plenty of Gloomhaven and I, I have played tons of really hardcore tabletop games, the stage of my life right now where I'm sharing games with either younger gamers or more inexperienced gamers, that kind of tutorialization is really exciting to me. So I, I may actually be more excited for Jaws of the Lion than <laughs> Frosthaven, which is cool. kind of surprising. But speaking of Jaws of the Lion, is the COVID pandemic going to affect the release because that's going direct to retail right uh so it hasn't really affected anything yet um you know so far we're, we're sort of in the middle of production right now um and you know china is like fairly under control at this point and like you know our factory in shenzhen was pretty far from from the the main outbreak in wuhan so um, you know, there was there was like a, a bit of a delay, like around Chinese New Year, like basically mm -hmm. there was a week or two after Chinese New Year where um, everyone didn't go back to their jobs. Um, but, you know, other than that week or two, which we've kind of like folded into some other things, it's it's looking pretty good so far. But, you know, the, the future is still uncertain. Right. So, I mean, once we get to the shipping process, you know, how easy will it be to, to ship it to the states? And then once it gets to the states, like. You know how easy it will be to get to the fulfillment center, and then like, will the fulfillment center even be open? Um, you know, so these are kind of outstanding questions. So like, we're moving along on schedule so far, um, and we'll just have to see from there. A lot of variables. Do you have like a, a target time or an adjusted target time now in which you're hoping to get into some window for release? Uh, yeah. So we are uh, the. It's like end of July or early August is the retail release of the product, yeah. Well, I think a lot of people are going to be super excited about that. Now, I know that from what you've announced that this is going to be all new material, so there's going to be stuff that people can integrate directly into their, their Gloomhaven experience, add it to their, their treasure box. So theoretically, experienced Gloomhaven players are, may want to pick this up to play through the tutorialization is optional in the game right like you can play through on a more hardcore mode as though it were regular gloomhaven or you can do the my first gloomhaven experience with it <laughs> yeah so like the first three scenarios you're kind of playing with a limited handset like with some very simplistic using very simplistic mechanics for the monsters and everything um so yeah that might be like a little boring for people 
uh, who've, you know, obviously played a lot of Gloomhaven before. Um, though, then again, like, you can get through it really quickly if you want to, or you can just kind of start with Scenario 4. Uh, I mean, it is like a cohesive story that starts with Scenario 1, so you probably want to at least, like, read the text for mm-hmm. those scenarios, even if you don't play them. Uh, and then it's, like, it's pretty easy to to just, like, come up with some rewards that you would get if you skip those first three scenarios because you're, you're not actually earning a lot of experience and money in those because like experience and money haven't been introduced yet so <laughs> yeah it's pretty pretty easy to to yeah like skip to the good part well you're talking about it being you know potentially boring for a really experienced gloomhaven player but what about for a gloomhaven designer did you find the <laughs> the limitations trying to scale back as much as possible like compelling or infuriating yeah. or like what was the the feeling in approaching this very very different beast yeah that was definitely like a very interesting design challenge of like let's take this giant box and do like everything we can to just like make it as approachable as approachable as possible um and yeah so like a lot of work like went into that like first five scenarios and the tutorialization of everything and uh we sort of put together a rule book like a a learn to play guide essentially where you know so you you read some rules and you play a bit and you read some more rules and you play a bit so you can kind of like learn as you play um that was like a lot of the focus of the last uh like few months of the development process um but yeah and just you know, like taking all the the cardboard tiles and turning it into like uh, you know a book that you you play on the book itself was like a, a big step. And then just, um, you know, but at, at the same time though, like I didn't want to like pare down the mechanics, like the core mechanics of the game itself, right? Because like right. I still wanted it to be you know that same system that everyone loves. Like I didn't want to you know if it's not broke, don't fix it, sort of thing. I mean, I did, like, tweak it a little bit, took out some of, like, the eccentricities of it, um, like, rolling modifiers, and, I don't know, there was, like, a big list of things, like, retaliate and pierce, and, so, so, you know, some conditions that, like, weren't that used that often and could kind of, like, be, be paired out um, without losing too much of, of, that, of that complexity. How tricky was it to balance the, the need for ease of play versus having something that more experienced players might be interested in getting with the characters themselves because ultimately you want a character that is accessible to the person who Jaws the Lion might be the only Gloomhaven experience that they ever get into but it really sounds like you also want to make it something that's attractive to the experienced player who is the completionist and wants everything yeah yeah I mean the characters were a lot of fun to design as well because you're I'm approaching it from that standpoint um, of like, yeah, I want to make these characters interesting, but I also don't want to make them too complicated. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of thought went into that. Um, and, you know, ultimately, you know, there was the whole thing with the necromancer where originally like the necromancer was one that was the fourth character in Jaws of Lion. And it was just too complicated and, you know, I sort of had the choice of, like, remove a lot of the complication from the class, but then lose a lot of its charm that, like, you know, it's it was one of my favorite classes I've ever designed. So I decided to, like, move it to Frosthaven and, like, start again, making a new fourth class. Uh, that ended up being the Void Warden, which, 
in itself is like probably the most complicated of the four, but I think it's it's at least more straightforward than the Necromancer was. But yeah, there was there is a lot of work um, went into creating those characters, and it was it was very interesting. Well, as the most experienced Gloomhaven player out there. <laughs> what do you think is the most compelling element of Jaws of the Lion? Like the thing that you would, as a player, as someone who wasn't part of the development of this game, you would look at and go like, oh man, this is so cool. I, I can't wait to bring this over to another set or, you know, this is what really made it a, a, a complete and worthwhile pursuit for me to get this learn to play Gloomhaven set. Yeah, like you, like you mentioned, like the tutorial, I think, ended up like really nice in terms of like something that you can um, ideally like put in front of anybody and get them to to learn to learn Gloomhaven over these five scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's really exciting for me. You know, just yeah, having having that thing that you can then like reach a wider audience with. Um, I made some like really cool bosses in the game too that I'm really excited about. <laughs> <laughs> well, those are some of the best moments, right? You know, is having a really good boss and then feeling like you had a good time overcoming it, giving it some unique behaviors and everything. Um, yeah. But of course, you know, in our limited time to talk today, I, I can't spend all that time talking about Jaws of the Lion. So Frosthaven, dude, the this thing looks massive i saw some of it at pax unplugged this last year which i hope there's going to be a pax unplugged this year um but in this game did any of this start out as a as an expansion to gloomhaven that kind of ran away and became its own standalone game or did any of it start as like a second edition of Gloomhaven that just kind of evolved into its own thing? Like, what were your your origins for Frosthaven? I mean, back since I was like designing content for for Gloomhaven, like I knew I wanted to, you know, make new stories and like explore more of this world. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like going up north into you know the snow, like just seemed like a natural choice to me. Uh, and so, like very early on, and you can even see it. Like there, there are hints about about this this northern northern area in in Gloomhaven. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like you know, basically, like yeah, fr- from the beginning, like I knew I wanted to 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 make this this sequel. Um, and and yeah, and that my my intention was always just. To like yeah, make as much content as as was in the original Gloomhaven. So like this whole new big like campaign full of full of all this new stuff. Um, I mean, there were a couple of ideas that I, I would have liked to have implemented in Gloomhaven, um, like the calendar system and some of like the city building aspects. Um, but yeah, they're just it was just like too much to to bite off and chew at that point. You know, it was it was a giant enough thing. Uh, and I had enough to do um, at that point, so I decided to, well, I'll just I'll just wait, uh, yeah, for the next game to to try and implement those things. Hey, that's what the cutting room floor is for—is you know recycling. You always just instead of throwing that away, you put that in a drawer, and then you come back to it and you say, "Hey, this was a good idea. Let's re-implement it here where we have the space to do that." Yeah. So with Frosthaven, you you have—is it? 
a, a flat hundred new missions? Is it over a hundred new missions? Like what, what, what's the tagline there? <laughs> it's over a hundred missions. Uh, and I say that cause there are, uh, I forget the count at the moment. It's like 62 or 63, maybe like, uh, story missions mm-hmm. that have been designed. Um, you know, whereas in, in Gloomhaven, there were like 51 story missions and then like 44 side scenarios. Right. Um, so I'd like to have a similar amount of sides, side content as well. Uh, but all that like hasn't been designed yet. Um, and a lot of that is because like I'm bringing in a lot of guest designers and I've kind of like left it up to them on how many scenarios they create, like whether they just want to do one or they want to do like a whole quest chain. Um, so that's the side scenarios are still very much in flux right now, but I'm pretty sure it'll be over a hundred. So, so that's what I'm, that's what I'm calling it for now. Well, one of the risks with role-playing games and here I'm actually talking about like computer and, uh, console role-playing games is that when you find yourself in this really extensive game where you are playing and essentially doing the same thing over again, just with escalated monsters and escalated abilities but you can eventually start seeing through the matrix so to speak and you realize that you're doing the same thing over and over again you know you've had nearly a hundred missions of gloomhaven how do you address the the missions in order to make them continually interesting and compelling on their own so it doesn't just become this grind of regurgitating the same experience over and over and over again uh yeah i mean that's that's a challenge um you know and one way to combat that is is just with with new characters and new monsters right so it's mm-hmm. like you're always seeing a different puzzle right i mean like playing it with one playing one scenario with one character is completely different than playing it with another character um but then also yeah just adding variability to the scenarios themselves Um, so we're trying to like move away from the sort of kill all enemies scenarios, um, that, you know, a lot of people have complained there was like too much of that in Gloomhaven, especially at the beginning. Um, and so, so yeah, we're just trying to do different things with the scenarios and I've sort of had a lot of practice with that over the last three years with the community driven campaigns, um, where I just like go crazy and do crazy things in those scenarios. Um, and I've really like tried to use that as like a learning experience to, um, you know, just keep my, keep my creativity flowing and making, yeah, just like making stuff that's, that's cool and interesting. (laughs) Was any of the experience in designing Jaws of the Lion impacting how you were rolling out the initial missions in Frosthaven? Like, did you think more about accessibility than you did when you were designing the original Gloomhaven missions? Like, one of the things that I heard again and again and again from people when Gloomhaven first came out is, don't worry about the first two missions. They're like the two hardest missions. Once you're beyond that, then, you know, it gets a lot more manageable. So don't let that discourage you. Did you think about that that scaling difficulty and how to accommodate a fresh new Gloomhaven player with Frosthaven 2? I will admit that like less thought went into that. And I think you kind of see that like with the six starting characters, which are all like very much complicated and probably more complicated than than a lot of the characters from from Gloomhaven. So yeah, I mean I guess I kind of like took all that hand holding uh, and put it in Jaws of the Lion <laughs> and 
just kind of went crazy on Frosthaven. Because, um, yeah, I, I guess the, the main focus was, yeah, just to, like, give give fans of Gloomhaven just, like, more interesting stuff to, to play with. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think the scenarios still like do probably get more complicated as you, as you progress through, but it doesn't, it's, it's like starts at like a higher baseline, I think. So one of the things about standalone base games, you know, games that can be combined with content, but you can also just play right out of the box is that sometimes they have a tendency to be viewed as the the newer edition the the fresher and maybe more polished version of the original game i think an example of where you can see that is like in plaid hat games dead of winter and then they released dead of winter the long night and you had reviewers saying actually i would just say dive right into this how did you account for that so people didn't start viewing Frosthaven as Gloomhaven's second edition, like the definitive version, and you know what, don't even bother with the original game anymore? I don't know. I mean, is it necessarily a problem? Like, if, if I, you know, if we take Gloomhaven and, and we make it better in, like, every way that we can, right? Um, you know, I, I see that as a good thing. I mean, Gloomhaven still provides, like, an entirely, like, different, and huge amount of content on its own, right? Right. With all the, I mean, you know, all the 17 character classes and, and 95 scenarios and whatever, like, um, so yeah, it's just, it's just more stuff. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I'm not necessarily <laughs> see it as a problem. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know that I necessarily see it as a problem either. Though I, I do know, like, one of the things that I, I've been thinking of a lot about with tabletop gaming you know i don't worry so much about the the tabletop gaming bubble or anything what i do see as a, a trend is that as we have more legacy games and campaign games and these games that are yeah. meant to be like lifetime experiences you have to start being more selective about what you do especially if you're trying to juggle multiple different campaigns at the same time with different groups of friends uh, it, it almost sets up like this stressful set of obligations. And so um, I wonder uh, how sustainable uh, this could be. You know, is there going to be a, a a market for Gloomhaven 3 down the road where it's only a couple years after it um, or if it ends up being diminishing returns? I mean... I, I'm sure that it's going to sell perfectly fine. I don't. I don't think Frosthaven has any issues, let alone Gloomhaven three. But I do worry a little bit about Gloomhaven four and five and six. <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I've I've definitely experienced that sentiments from from a lot of people. Um, and and yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they're diminishing returns. Um. And and yeah, there. I mean, there is just a lot of board games out there, right? And there's just not enough time to play them all. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, I mean, there's a wide spectrum of people, right? I mean, I've I've had people who you know finished Gloomhaven, like, you know, a month after it came out, like, it was ridiculous. Like, I mean, they played it solo. They just like sat down and played it for like a month straight, <laughs> and then they messaged me like, "I'm done. When's the next one?" I'm like, what what ah. Yeah. Uh, anyway. <laughs> um, and then you know, there's people who like hopefully like in a year when Frosthaven comes out, they'll have finished their Gloomhaven campaign and and be ready for more content, or maybe they're working on Forgotten Circles right now, and by 
you know, in a year they'll be finished with that. And, and yeah, there, there are people who've, um, you know, had Gloomhaven for three years and maybe only played like a few scenarios over that time. And yeah, it might be another 10 years before they, they need more content. Um, and, but, you know, I mean, I, uh, I don't know. I, I tried to like, well, not that I tried to wait, but like, I guess it was, it was fairly intentional that like, I, you know, it's now like three years later since Gloomhaven came out that I'm finally releasing like Frosthaven and it's not going to be coming out for another year. So essentially like four years after Gloomhaven came out. So I don't know. I felt like that was an appropriate amount of time to like give people to like finish this big thing. Um, and so, yeah, it's not like, you know, two years after Frosthaven comes out, like there'll be like a Gloomhaven three or whatever. Like, um, you know, if I do do more giant campaign games, like I do want to give people the time to like, you know, experience them fully and not feel stressed about like rushing to, to complete, to complete them. But like I said, like there's a whole spectrum of, of people. So yeah, I mean, some people might still feel rushed and I don't know. You just kind of like got to hit that, that middle point, I think. <laughs> totally. Well, one of the things I really like about this project is it does feel like this is Isaac unleashed, right? You know, like this is where you're like, people have already experienced Gloomhaven, so I can make those more complicated characters, right? You know, you were just mentioning tutorialization. We'll save that for Jaws of the Lion. And then Frosthaven, we can have these more complicated characters right off the bat. You have like a character who has independent decks, like with, you know, independent arms and everything, right? So, you know, what, what, was the the limit where you said this is a character that is just too complicated did you have a lot of stuff that you had to leave on the cutting room floor so far or are you still just like hey any idea that i'm having this is going to get packed right into here <laughs> uh yeah no i mean there was no character too complicated i mean i, I will say that <laughs> That the Geminate uh, is the most complicated class in Frosthaven, and it is a starting character. So, like, there's there's nothing like more complicated than that, right? And also, that was more like Marcel Unleashed. He's the one who designed that class. He's the designer of uh, Forgotten Circles. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've also designed some some pretty complicated classes for Frosthaven as well. But yeah, I mean, there hasn't been anything so far that has been like, Oh no, that's, that's too crazy. <laughs> okay. Well, what's an example of something that's really crazy that you think people are going to be really excited about? Like that, that is such a, a powerful thematic and interesting mechanical idea, right? To have independent decks to operate different aspects of a character. Like how did you go that buck wild with another character? I don't know. I, I mean, I don't want to like spoil anything. Oh, come on. What are podcasts for, man? <laughs> But I mean, I would say like the Blink Blade, which is another starting character, is is pretty crazy as well. Just in the fact that you know each each turn you go fast or slow, which essentially like turns you know the two abilities you have on your card into like four separate abilities depending on which mode you're in. Um, and, you know, so and also like plus like the two basic abilities you have on each card. So now you can do like six things with any any one of your ten cards in your hand. Um, so yeah, that was a little that was a little wild, and then I don't know. There there are other things. 
<laughs> to to be seen by the audience. Well, you added plenty to this game. I mean, you have the the city building and the the weather seasonal mechanics, which I want to get to. But I do want to know about your feelings towards legacy games because legacy games were like a really really popular thing for like a hot second and they, they still are but i see more often now things are getting marketed as legacy when what they mean is that there's like pervasive elements that happen throughout a campaign so really it's just yeah. a campaign game right yeah. you're not actually destroying cards you're not making permanent changes and I feel like you even kind of scaled back a little bit from that with the original Gloomhaven because you came out with the 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 stickers, you know, which were able to peel off rather than making those permanent changes. Are there true legacy elements to Frosthaven where you will make permanent irreparable changes to your game components or is this going to be soft legacy where you might be opening packages throughout a campaign and discovering new stuff? but you could theoretically reset everything to day one. I mean, yeah, I'd say it's more on the softer side. Like, it's very similar to, to Gloomhaven in that respect, you know, where you have stickers that you can place on things, um, but we'll have removable stickers. Uh, and that's, like, the main thing. I mean, yeah, you can rip up your event cards if you want. Um, we also have, like, these, uh, like, punch-out folders, like, similar to the dossiers in um, Pandemic Legacy, um, which, you know, are kind of like, you can't really reset that as well, you know, where it's like, you know, there's like hidden information that you'll, you'll punch out. Um, so it's, it's kind of like see between like two layers of a piece of paper. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's like, I, I enjoy legacy games, like pandemic legacy, you know, is a fantastic experience. Both, both seasons have been like two of my favorite, like gaming experiences of all time. Um, and I don't know, like, for me, it's, I'm not sure it's necessarily, like, been about, like, the the destroying things, like, aspect of that game. But, yeah, right. it is more about just those persistent elements and feeling like, um, you know, something you did in one game session is now going to affect you in, in future game sessions. Like, to me, like, that's, I think that's the really interesting part of, of legacy or, or campaign games. Um, so that's really kind of what I've tried to tried to focus on. And, and yeah, so, I, and, and also, like, I, I do want to try and accommodate, like, both types of people, right? So if, if you want to, like, put stickers on everything and destroy all your stuff, like, that's totally cool. And, like, I can certainly see how, like, that enhances an experience. Um, but also, like, if you, if you don't want to do that and you want removable stickers, you know, I, I don't want, like, that to, like, turn you off from e experiencing you know, an otherwise great game. Yeah, and I think there is differences between a game like Pandemic Legacy and a game like Gloomhaven, right? You know, like, I think the, the tension and kind of the almost action movie or suspense movie element of Pandemic really lends itself well to, like, committing to this irreparable decision that will have long-term consequences, and it's more about the overall experience that you have, um, and it, it's not this box that you are hoping to save to play with your children and grandchildren. But yeah. you did bring up Pandemic Legacy Season 1 and Season 2, and one of the things that I found most refreshing about Season 2 is that the designers kind of played with how the, the campaign structure 
would go, like certain things would happen and you, you had more of a sandbox, uh, so to speak, in yeah. how missions unfolded. It was a little bit less linear. Did you actually change the campaign structure in Frosthaven? I know you said you're still developing some of that, especially the, the side missions, but is it going to be an overall similar experience to how uh, Gloomhaven was going from beginning to end of the campaign or is there a, a new approach to how you navigate that uh i mean yeah i'd say it's a little less linear than gloomhaven but like i don't know i wouldn't necessarily consider gloomhaven very linear either um i mean yeah ultimately like there is an ending but it, it does there are there's a lot more like branching paths of course of course with the map and being able to choose what missions you go to and everything but i mean i guess i'm not trying to draw the comparison of gloomhaven is season one of pandemic legacy more so did you want it to be a a, a similar experience to gloomhaven or did you want frosthaven to unfold in a different way because you are bringing these other elements in, right? You know, you have the the season conditions, you have the right. the town building elements. Do those present interesting campaign related choices that wouldn't have otherwise been possible in the system in Gloomhaven? Yes. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think people will, will see more of that. You know, I guess. Um, there, there's sort of like three main branches to the story. You're kind of like focusing on on three different major threats that are sort of coming into the city. Um, and then, yeah, like which one of those you focus on will, you know, kind of will, will change like what threats you have to deal with, like when, when winter comes. Uh, and also like how you build up the city will also affect like how you know, how, how much, how punishing those, those threats become. Um, so yeah, there are a lot of, a lot more knobs that you can turn to, yeah, to change your experience. You know, one of the things with the, the popularity of Gloomhaven that I, I've thought about quite a bit, and really with the popularity of a lot of games that have come out recently, is the impact that that must have on the designer themselves and how surreal it must be to kind of live in this celebrity like world among board gamers right you know you go to a convention and suddenly people are like oh dude isaac is over there isaac's there you know <laughs> and, and you see a different level in different games you know someone might say oh, the designer of this game has announced that there's an expansion or given this clarification. But if it's Jamie Stegmeier or Isaac Childress, it's Jamie said this or Isaac said this, as if it's some someone that everyone knows and is well acquainted with. How was that adjustment for you? Are you, are you still in that surreal <laughs> stage or are you like, well, this is my my life. I am the Isaac Childress now. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely weird sometimes. You know, as when I go on Board Game Geek and, you know, I like see people like talking about me like, oh, Isaac said this and Isaac said that. And it's uh, yeah, it's, just, it's like, you know, for a second, it's just like, oh, that's weird. That's a weird thing that's happening right there. <laughs> um, but then you're like oh yeah i guess that's my normal life now um but yeah i mean it's it's really it's kind of interesting and like um you know i'm, I'm a fairly like introverted person i feel like i've i've 
gotten a little better with that, you know, with this whole uh, phenomenon that's happened around me. Um, but, uh, and it, but like, it's, it's nice for me because like, it is just like within that board game sphere, right? right? So like my day-to-day life, like doesn't really change at all. Like I'm just sitting at home working, like doing, doing, you know, working at this great job that I love. Uh, and you know, I, I go to the grocery store and like, nobody recognizes me at the grocery store. I can just buy groceries like a normal person. Right. Um, and then just like. Yeah, if I go online or, or when I go to a convention, like I can get like this completely different experience. Yeah, where like now I'm kind of like this weird like rock star figure. <laughs> it's, and that's it's I mean it's a weird experience, but also like it can be kind of fun. You know, it's totally. It's, um, you know, it's a nice nice ego boost, um, in a way, and just also just like being able to interact with people who, um, who like just love this thing that you created and you know tell you stories about how. Um, you know, it's like brought their whole family like closer together, and it's it's just like a really great experience to just like interact with with uh, those fans and and these people who who are just like loving like what you what you've created. It's it's I don't know, it's just a great feeling. So it's kind of nice to like have both worlds, you know, to just like be able to live my normal life, but then also like have this other like completely different like weird crazy experience of just like having these fans who um who've been like so like greatly affected by this thing that you've made having 5000 people walking around a convention with frosthaven horns on right yeah uh, that, <laughs> that was a pretty surreal experience yeah <laughs> well i i do want to get into some of the nitty gritty on frosthaven before i let you go so the the weather system and the city building are to me two of the most intriguing aspects of this whole thing I think this is probably because I was a big JRPG gamer during the the Super Nintendo and PlayStation era, and I hear city building, and I'm like, dude, is this like Breath of Fire 3 with the fairy city? What's going on here? (laughs) So, you know, you talked about how these might have been things that germinated when you were originally designing Gloomhaven and then you you implemented them here in Frosthaven. Tell me about the city building itself. Like... How does that actually look between missions, and and what is the experience that you're going for for the the gamer? Yeah, uh, so the experience I'm going for is is just like I, I don't know. I guess it's to give players like more to think about and more decisions uh, outside of combat. You know, it's just a in uh, in sort of a you know a. A pervasive way of like you know this decision that I make is going to have like long term consequences on on my campaign, um, and also, yeah, I mean, so the, and the way it works, right, is that during a scenario when you're picking up loot, like a lot of that loot is going to be um, just like building resources, like wood and metal and hides, um, and then you sort of you know collect that on your character sheet, and then when you go back to town, you can spend those resources to either build buildings or um, use them at, at specific buildings. You have like a, a craftsman building that has, you know, a list of items that you can make. And so you, you pull out those item cards and on the item cards, you can see like this, this one takes like a wood and a metal to make. And so you would spend that, spend those resources to, to get the item. So you kind of have to make that decision of not only like which building do I want to build, but also like if I want to, use those resources for, for weapons and stuff instead to, to make, you know, my job easier within a scenario. 
and give me an example of the buildings themselves in like why you might choose one building versus another and what might be the potential ramifications for that down the road. So yeah, you've got um, a lot of buildings. Well, yeah, you have some buildings like the craftsman and like the alchemist who are going to like, if you, if you like spend resources to improve those buildings, you're going to get a wider variety of recipes that you can, that you can make. Um, you also have some like resource generating buildings, like a logging camp and a mine, um, so, you know, those take a lot more resources, like a lot more investment to like build those up. But when you do, you know, now they're going to give you like resources over time. So it's kind of like a little engine building thing. Um, and then a lot of the buildings, there's a barracks and there, you also like need to repair the walls around the city is going to increase your, uh, defenses, um, which will come into play. Like if you get attacked, um, during like a city event. Is that challenging to balance? Like thinking about the ramifications of one building versus another over the course of a huge campaign like this, I mean, that's got to be hard to to test and really see what are the chinks in the armor, what is going to like completely overpower a character, you know, the synergies between certain buildings, allowing for certain resources and, you know, characters being able to, to farm that in certain ways, like was that a unique challenge and did you have to scrap any ideas when you were in the midst of working on that? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to think about. There was some spreadsheets. Uh... <laughs> there's always spreadsheets. <laughs> uh, and, but I'm, I think, I mean, one of the design goals was to, I mean, you know, I, I wanted it to be like there to be like a, this threat in the game, you know, of this, approaching winter and then once you get into winter like you know you start getting attacked but um like there are no mechanics for like just like completely wiping wiping you out and like destroying the city and game over like that's not a thing so like even if you maybe don't make the correct decisions or, or you know you focus too much on on building your own characters up and not enough on building the town up you know you might have a rough winter but you know eventually the winter will end and then you know the cycle goes back to the beginning and so then you can maybe spend more time you know correcting your mistakes um so yeah i mean i think people have different experiences with it and you know it's it's difficult to you know play test what all those different experiences will be um but i think it's a like a fairly robust system to where um yeah some people may have an easier time than others but i think it'll s still be interesting either way and the weather itself, like, what does that allow you to do as a as a game designer who's making this new campaign? You know, what are the impacts on the characters, on the players, and what does that bring as far as a new experience other than a nice thematic thing of, oh, winter's here and something happens? Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the main way it's implemented is in the event cards, right? So instead of just having two decks of like a road and, and city events, you now have four decks where you have summer road and winter and then winter, sorry, summer road and city and, and winter road and city. Um, so when you switch over to that winter, now you're dealing with these other decks of cards, which um, are, yeah, are just very different uh, in terms of um, now, now you're your town itself, like whenever you go back to town, whereas in the summer, it's usually like, oh, you get rewarded, you know, you find some wood or, you know, somebody comes to town and wants to sell you something. And now it's more just like, well, now you're 
there's a lot of hardships that you have to face and you have to spend resources in order to keep people happy uh, and things like that. Um, and then also, um, yeah, we're playing around with doing other things with, with time as well, where maybe some uh, scenarios themselves might be only accessible um, during certain periods of time or, or yeah, just like metal be accessible only in the summer or in the winter or uh, like maybe the scenario is only available for a certain amount of time, like because you, because you're tracking time as, as you, as you progress uh, maybe, you know, this scenario is only going to be available for like three time units. And then if you don't do it, then it's, you know, you, it's locked out. So various things like that. Are Frosthaven and Jaws of the Lion fail forward games? Like if you fail a mission, you still go on to the next thing or do you replay the mission all over again? It's the same system as Gloomhaven where, yeah, if you fail it, you still get to keep your, you know, uh, money and rewards and experience and everything, but you have to replay it. Did you ever think for a little bit, maybe I should change this around? Because that that is an accessibility issue for a lot of people and, and making sure that they have momentum. Obviously, people have stuck with Gloomhaven and, you know, they like the system that it is. But I know that more and more campaign games over the last couple of years have kind of started changing into a system where, okay, if you fail, maybe that'll have ramifications or you get less experience or something, but you move on to the next story beat, or maybe there's a, a negative story thing that happens, but you still get to carry on into the, the next mission. So you don't feel like you're stuck on a particularly hard mission. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I mean, that's, that's, uh, it's an idea. I mean, I, it's never been in the cards. You've never considered it. <laughs> Uh, not, not really. I don't think I have. I, I mean, Isaac Childress yeah. says, get good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's just, I think there's, I mean, you know, Gloomhaven in a lot of ways, obviously is like inspired by video games. And I, you rarely see that in, in video games, you know, it's like, it's play this level until you, until you, you get it, until you get it right. And then when you do get it right, you got this great sense of accomplishment they're like okay I, I figured it out you know i made some mistakes first time around but now i i know what i'm doing and i got through it and i i think it's a more rewarding experience that way i think so though you could argue that in a video game your save point isn't two hours ago where you have to restart <laughs> with setting up all over again right it depends on the video game but yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i guess so okay well with Frosthaven, what has been like the most challenging aspect of the design leading up until this point? You know, the the thing that was the biggest hurdle that you had to overcome. Uh, in Frosthaven, the biggest hurdle. It all came naturally. You're the Isaac Childress, after all, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not like it's came naturally. It's just like I I've been. It's just been like I've been very slowly working on it, like over the past three or even like three and a half years now. Um. So I don't know. It's it's hard to necessarily like remember. Not not just remember, but it's just like this has been like percolating in my head for all that time. So like it's you know if I come across a challenge, like you know just think about it for six months and then <laughs> sort of thing. <laughs> um, so there haven't been any like big hurdles yet that I can I can necessarily think of. Not that it hasn't been you know challenging. It's just it's just I've I've had so much time to work on it. <laughs> So we'll see in the next six months, like whether I come across any big hurdles. 
Well, Cephalofair has changed as a company and, you know, your your profile has changed. You can rely on a lot of guest designers and everything. What's the biggest change leading up to Frosthaven versus when you were leading up to getting ready to kickstart Gloomhaven? (laughs) Well, okay, yes. I mean, I would... I guess I I could say that's like the biggest hurdle. Like it's not a design hurdle, but it's just like the fact that um, I now have like a company to run. Um, you know, whereas before, you know, when I was just making Gloomhaven, um, I don't know. Like it, it wasn't necessarily like a company at that point. I mean, I still had uh, a game I had previously made, and there were some like replacement parts I had to send out for that. But it was like on such a smaller scale. Um, that it was very easy to just like focus all my time on on making Gloomhaven. Um, whereas now there's, you know, like so many other like Gloomhaven products we're working on, and like we're trying to launch this web store, and uh, there's just like replacement parts has become like this whole like giant nightmare of an issue um, that we've we're more or less solved at this point. Well, up to the point where um, our fulfillment center got closed down, but. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, I'm just saying, like, there's lots and lots of, like, other issues at play that take up a lot of my time, like, during the day. And so it's harder to just, like, sit down and, and design at this point, uh, for sure. So, I mean, that's that's definitely been the biggest hurdle. Uh, and I think that also, like, plays into your, yeah, answering what, what's different <laughs> this time around as well. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, management comes with its own uh, complications and making sure that people are are able to do their jobs. And then the coronavirus is its own thing that's probably gumming up the works in one way or another, which is why you delayed it in the first place. I want to know, you know... The Isaac Childress, right? You know, you you are the <laughs> Gloomhaven guy. You are so tied to this game and the setting, this universe, this experience. And it's clear that you absolutely love it. But if you could step back and say, you know what? This is a project just for me that's entirely independent of Gloomhaven. What's a type of game that you would want to take a crack at you know you could be like oh i want to do a train game next or you know something (laughs) that's uh trading in the mediterranean i i don't know but if you didn't have the the pressure and expectation that was associated with gloomhaven what's a, a project that you could see yourself working on in a different timeline uh i mean i've definitely thought about a train game i've been getting really getting into like 18xx recently perfect i love it (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i mean i i try to to give myself time for that sort of thing as well um not not so much recently but i mean like founders of gloomhaven the the game that came out after gloomhaven was very much just like a passion project it's like yeah i want to make like this weird logistics game and so i made it um, and so, like after after like I'm finished with Frosthaven, I'll probably do something similar uh, then as well. Like not a game similar to Founders of Gloomhaven, but just like another like passion project that um, that's you know is just something that I want to make that um, isn't a dungeon crawl game. Okay, let's talk about a train game in the Gloomhaven universe. How are we going to make this work, <laughs> Isaac? I need this co-design credit. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You know, it, it could happen. Yeah, you know, anything could happen, really. Pax Pahaven. That that's our next way. We're going to get <laughs> Cole Worley in here, and you know, we're going to really nail this now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, re- but before like Jaws of the Lion heated up, and you know, now 
um, the Frosthaven Kickstarter was on the horizon. Uh, I was working on like a like a game that was sort of based on my time as a like a physics grad student. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like this uh, worker placement thing where you were like a, a group of physicists who like opened a rift to a parallel dimension, and you were like placing workers in two separate universes. Um, and I want to go back to that game at some point for sure. I'd gotten like pretty far with it, but I wasn't super happy with some of the aspects of it. But yeah, I want to want to get back to that at some point. Well, it is an exciting road that you have ahead of you. Like I, I can't imagine the work that is going to be involved in making a game this big. And clearly there's already a ton that's designed, but you have a lot of expectation riding on your shoulders. So I, I'm really looking forward to Jaws of the Lion. I'm looking forward to Frosthaven and I'm looking forward to whatever 18xx train game or, you know, whatever you have down the road. Um, I, I did have one last question about future content and that's the, the expansions. Do you view Gloomhaven, Frosthaven, Jaws of the Lion as three unique entities that will receive their own expanded content? Or do you view these as like one unified thing that future expansions are going to be for the overall Gloomhaven experience? I don't know. I haven't thought about it too much. I mean, I know like we'll probably do a similar thing um, with Frosthaven that we did with like forgotten circles for gloomhaven so there will probably be something like that um for frosthaven at some point in the future um but i don't know that's really as far as i've gotten in terms of i don't know expansion thinking about expansions i don't know i've never like i've never liked expansions too much uh you know like gloomhaven was kind of like almost designed as like a response to like expansions and like sort of the you know fantasy flight model of just like a core game and then like 20 different expansions on top of it and we all thank you for this (laughs) i just wanted to make gloomhaven as as like basically like a game plus 10 expansions in itself um and so so yeah i I don't really want to like focus too much as a company on on expansion content necessarily but just like give people like new big you know, giant things to play with. (laughs) Well, it sounds like that's exactly what you're doing and I can't wait for it. So thank you so much for coming on to the show, Isaac, everyone out there, be sure to check out the Frosthaven Kickstarter going up live March 31st, which if you're watching this video, it probably is posting on that very same day or maybe slightly before or after. I don't know. COVID has a lot of impacts on a lot of things and stay tuned for Jaws of the Lion And thank you once again, Isaac, for coming on to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. If you enjoyed this video, we have all kinds of other reviews, interviews, and recommendations via writing, podcasts, and video here on our channel and website, CardboardHerald.com. Our content is audience-supported, so if you want to show your support, please visit our Patreon. Thank you so much for watching. This has been the Cardboard Herald.